It felt he wrote. Zido Biha. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for February 7th, 2024. My name is Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back again to your village this week with something to make you think a little bit, which is why we're here, right? Come inside, get warm or dry if you live in Southern California. Grab a seat while I talk to you about what's front and center all over the world now. If you're a first time viewer or listener, I've created a short advertisement for my podcast and website for you to listen to now before we get into what's nearly on everyone's mind these days. I want to take this time to ask for a donation of any amount to help me keep this podcast going, if you can, and to also explain how to find my website and what's inside when you arrive at the door. My podcast will remain free to subscribe to on all the major mobile podcast apps at Substack for the first month and on my YouTube channel, Kranapiha. I have set up a donation link on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com and a donations page on my website at www.kranapiha.com, all using PayPal for your security. Think of it as me passing my hat around to you at the end of my visit each week. If you like this podcast, please share it with everyone you know before it gets too late. My motive is not to profit off the news I bring you every week, but to make a difference in the world, and I can't do it without your help. Now, I want to explain how to find my website. If you're watching this video, the address is right on the screen in front of you as you're listening to this. If you're listening to an audio-only show, just type in www.cranna-beatha.com in your browser and search for it. The website domain name is Gaelic. It may be a little hard to find unless you know what you're looking for. Then bookmark it if you like it. I also have the RSS feeder enabled, so if you like my blog posts, you can be notified whenever I post something new. Search for www.crownabiha.com in your RSS feeder and set it up. Users finding the website for the first time will reach the welcome page to learn a little more about what's inside. There you will see the homepage link at the bottom of the page. On the homepage, you can learn a little more about what Crownabiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. On the menu bar at the top, there are links to all the pages in the website. The blog section where I post podcast newsletters, blog articles, stories, and poems. A drop-down podcast menu with links to both podcasts, a donations page, an ad page to purchase my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. Thank you for your patronage and support. Now let's get into today's opinion editorial. And now that we're back, let's talk about immigration and politics Politics this week, because it's been front and center in all of the news media around the world. I was inspired by my friend Mitch in, a, in an article he wrote a few days ago and that I will paraphrase some excerpts from, along with a few other related news articles I found since last week's show. The biggest reason I decided to bring this up was because it's also front page news all over the developed world right now, from North America to Europe and Australia, migrations, legal and illegal, are nearly every news media outlet everywhere. In the U.S. this week, it's playing a major factor in the upcoming national elections as the Republican political party is using the southern border and now the northern border as a cudgel to beat the Democratic Party over the head and body with. Donald Trump is holding several rallies along the southern border this week to enforce his message that he will reimpose and create more draconian measures to shut out migrants at the southern border. Mexico has promised to help, but with conditions that have little to do with the migrant problem. 
And that's where the U.S. stands today leading up to the election next November. Biden's having trouble getting his message out because of all the noise coming from the Republicans. And it could spell doom if his campaign managers don't figure something out pretty soon. Everyone across the world agrees that the U.S. will become a very bad place if Donald Trump and the right-wing fanatical Republicans win all the elections this year. These are very scary people. Now, now, that, now we're starting to see TV personalities get involved. The famous Dr. Phil is making a series of TV shows in Eagle Pass, Texas, over the next week or so to promote his TV shows and cable network. His stated purpose is to draw attention to the crisis there. I read a news story last weekend from TMZ about his visit. His plan is to try and showcase a middle ground between the right-wing fanatics and the Biden administration, condemning the lack of control on one hand from the Democrats, Biden, and the fanatical at times push to get rid of the migrants and shut down all crossings of any kind. From all that I've read from investigative news reporters so far, Biggest problem North America is having is not so much with the migrants themselves, but of all the traffickers who are pushing the poorest to, you know, the, who are pushing the poorest people to sign up for exorbitant amounts of money they don't have to get them into the U.S. or Canada with or without papers. For them, it's about the money. Legality has little to do with anything. They get their money up front and move on to collect more from would-be travelers. Business is business as long as no one tries to stop them. And that's the problem. No one's stepping up hard enough to stop them. I found another article about the atrocities still taking place in that stretch of jungle on the border of Colombia and Panama called the Darien Gap. Hundreds of migrants being killed, robbed, and raped as they try to cross through that stretch of no man's land. The gangs know all too well that the Panamanian government is not going to step in to help. If anything, they're going to they're help the gangs. So they took... They take full advantage of the poor migrants trying to get north. Now, don't get me wrong. Having thousands of refugees at the border clamoring to get in is a problem that's largely being handled slowly, too slowly, some would say, processing all those claims for asylum and refugee status and so forth. I read a news story that the average caseload for U.S. immigration judges is now running about 4,500 cases per judge. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big load. All of that is what brings me around to Mitch's article. He talks about his own journey to the U.S. a little. He and his wife were originally from Trinidad, a small island nation in the Caribbean. He had never encountered racism before until immigrating to the U.S. His story is like so many others. Native-born Americans of any colored skin, but mostly Caucasians, who have decided that the United States is for them only. No outsiders allowed. They apparently have forgotten where their ancestors came from. Now, I will add in here that there is a certain demographic of people in the U.S. whose ancestors were brought here under duress and are still oppressed by the ancestors of their enslavers. But this isn't about them. This is about how North Americans, and yes, I'm including the Canadians here, are pushing back in fear over the millions of migrants trying to reach the land of golden honey. Created by the fear-mongering conservatives trying to make money out of it. As I mentioned in previous podcasts, this is a myth perpetuated from over a couple hundred years ago when the Europeans were doing all they could to attract more mostly white Protestant immigrants to help settle the North American continent in the beginnings of the European migrations. 
This was largely promoted by the rich landholders and European corporations, Hudson's Bay Company being one of them, mainly British for money. And they were the original traffickers starting back in the 17th century. Of course, this myth of the United States being this bastion of freedom and enterprise has been passed along for generations since. And that's the issue here. It's a myth. North America has never been a bastion of freedom. In the first decades of European migrations, slavery and indentured servitude was how the poorest migrants made it to the Americas. Indentured servitude for the poor white migrants, especially Catholics, and the slavery for everyone else. This includes the indigenous peoples that were here long before the Europeans started arriving. The Tejanos of northern Mexico and southwest United States were first enslaved by the Spaniards, then by the descendants of the white Europeans who were driven west by the poverty created by the rich landholders in the east. And I say that in the organized states because the first original 13 colonies, a large majority of them were run by slavers. So it didn't take long after that before these rich landholders also moved in and brought their practices with them, enslaving anyone with darker skins than theirs. The history of the gold rush of 1849 in California is a forgotten good example of whites enslaving the indigenous peoples there. Then in 1882, passing the Chinese Exclusionary Act and mistreating Chinese immigrants after they were encouraged to come work for the railroads, then discarded after they were no longer needed. That attitude is still very much a part of North American culture today in the 21st century. Slavery may be outlawed, but the thoughts are still there. Quote, we are white, therefore we are a superior race, and this continent belongs to us, unquote, is their rallying cry. This is the unsaid reason why the Republicans want to shut off the border. If all the migrants were white Protestants, they'd probably be welcome with open arms, like the Ukrainians, for example, in recent memory. Immigrants who use the very expensive system to apply for immigration before they arrive are welcome also. And it is obvious that they have enough money to pay for all the immigra immigration fees and know enough English to fill out the prodigious amounts of paperwork. I know this enough. You know, I know this is my wife is an immigrant and it's been an expensive journey for her. But why Europeans get head of the line privileges? The U.S. government just raised the fees for H-1B and H-2B work visas to a point where companies hiring foreign labor and people applying for immigrant and asylum visas are being priced out now. The faucet is pretty much shut down to a tiny trickle because of the fees and the attitudes of the native-born Americans. Mitch says in his article, from an immigrant's perspective, that both major political parties in the U.S. are alike in a lot of ways. A lot of people would disagree with that. In some ways, I think he's right. The most glaring thing about all of them is that they're rich and elitist, and the average Americans looked at them looked at them with disdain these days. I'm not the only one who said this, but I'll repeat it. The biggest driver of discourse in North America is the ever-widening wealth gap between the haves and the have-nots. The average working-class North American of any skin color, religion, education, or any other demographic is becoming poorer every year, and they blame the rich, elitist politicians for the misery. Political party has little bearing. All they see are these fat cat politicians getting rich from their corporate patrons, and while they're struggling from paycheck to paycheck every week. A lot of them grew up affiliated with a certain political party because their parents did, and so on. 
But now they're very unhappy with the lack of representation they are receiving from their elected leaders. That's another thing that older Amer North Americans of the so-called boomer age don't like. It's change. They're inclined to believe their elected leaders whenever they say something to them, true or not, until proven otherwise. And proving those lies can take something extremely huge before they change their minds. And even then, a lot of times not, as we can see from the U.S. political landscape. Such is the case of Donald Trump and his fanatical base. They believe the lies he tells because they're desperate to believe in something better than they have, and they think he's going to give it to them. Same goes for these hard-right Republican politicians. They spread lies for their own personal gain, and these desperate people lap it up. In North America, there are two main factions at war with one another. The lower middle class, the lower middle class, the very poor, who struggle day to day. A lot of them are homeless these days, pushed out by greedy landlords and a failing small town America. And the rich elitists, who only care about making more money with no regard for the peons under their social status. The small town stores that used to be North America's bread and butter are being replaced by corporate retailers like Walmart and the dollar store. And the empty buildings after the corporations went global and moved operations to other countries for cheaper labor and tax havens. Thank NAFTA for that. All of this is why there is so much anger in North America nowadays. It is easiest to blame the poor migrants coming in by the thousands. No one cares why they're coming, just that they are, and the elitists are yelling that they're coming in to replace all of the lower middle class and poor workers who are already struggling. The color of someone's skin has little bearing as the cries are coming from every skin color in the United States. As in all things, it's all about the money, stupid. Follow the money trail back to the rich people and their rich political mouthpieces. Who stands to gain the most if they shut down the borders and only allow native-born citizens to live and work? The rich people. By not allowing anyone in unless they have a suitcase full of cash, they can force the blue-collar workers to work for less. That only benefits the rich corporate owners, executives, and their political cronies. In that, the two political parties are alike. If you listen to them, you wouldn't guess that. The Democrats cry that they support the working class. The Republicans cry that they support less government spending so as to benefit their voters. The ugly truth is none of them truly support any of their voters unless those voters are major political donors. How many poor people struggling to survive week to week can really afford to donate to a political campaign? Yet they do. Five or $10 here and, you know, here and there add up, you know, you know, five and $10 here and there add up. The trouble is it's like trying to win the lottery. Like the poor people tithing their Christian ministers, ministers in the hopes of a miracle from their God to deliver them from their poverty or health issues instead of using that money to buy food and clothing. That's what the politicians do to us all around the world. Try to sell us their snake oil promises for a better life while taking our money and laughing all the way to the bank. It doesn't matter what political party they belong to. They all practice the same con on us over and over again. And we largely fall for it every time there's an election. Are there good politicians who try to do the right thing for their constituents? Yes, in the beginning of their freshman tenures. It doesn't take too long before they're re-educated to toe the party line and start the con game like all the rest of the grifters who have been there for a while. I have come across people who want to change all that, but they are few and far between, like myself. I would like to see things go back to when the average U.S. citizen 
could work normal hours, making a decent salary that supported the families without too much of a struggle. Kids able to get a good education without active shooter drills, book bans, and crumbling buildings or stressed out teachers. Most people of the average working class just want a living wage, a safe place to live and work, and be able to take care of their family without any life-changing interferences. Is that too much to ask? I mean, that's what they're they're all asking for now. That's what is going to determine the voting around the world this year in a lot of countries gearing up for national elections. Right now, Biden has a credibility problem with the Arab Americans over his support of Israel. He's turning away from that some, but then going off in another direction because of the Warhawks in Washington, D.C. The Warhawks make lots of money from the military-industrial complex, so pushing the president to get revenge for three Army reservists who died because their unit members failed to do their jobs seems like the right thing to do, right? The story I read, I think in Al Jazeera the day after it happened, was that this Army Reserve unit failed to recognize the drone for what it was, and they got hit. Of course, that story got buried quickly after it came out. And you know, you might be able to do some digging to find it, but it's, they're probably going to make it hard for you. And so it goes. The rich elitists continue to make every attempt to get richer at everyone else's expense. In this case, three dead soldiers, plus the wounded whom no one is talking about. Their lives are forever changed as well. By encouraging more bombing of targets in Iraq and Syria, killing more civilians, how is that any different than what the Israelis are doing in Gaza? It's the same thing, only on a much smaller scale, like the bombing of the Houthis in, in Yemen. All to impress upon the world that the U.S. military complex is still the top dog. Now that the Republic, not that the Republicans are any better, I won't even begin to go down the rabbit hole as Donald Trump. He dominates the headlines every day with his lies. The other Republican grifters aren't that much better. They're so dysfunctional, they haven't been able to pass any meaningful legislation to benefit the average American in a long while. Biden managed to pull off the child tax credit deal last week, but it's already coming under fire. No surprise. Now, if a Republican president had promoted it, they probably would have signed off on it already. This is the state of the government in the U.S. today. Canada's having their own issues over migration. A lot of it stems from their cousins south of the border. They tried to be the opposite of the Americans by opening their immigration policies to boost their economy, but didn't think it through all the way and are now having buyer's remorse. It's causing a lot of grumbling over an overwhelmed public health care system and a serious lack of housing. They're also having issues with traffickers using their country as a landing base for illegal migrants trying to get into the U.S., crossing, crossing the northern U.S. border. The U.S. is upset that Canada isn't doing more to stop it without considering just how porous the northern border is. And I can say that because I used to live on the northern border, and I know a lot of spots that you could cross and probably live minim- leave minimal footprints, and they have minimal guards up there watching for that stuff. But that's the American way. Blame everyone else for when bad stuff happens. Instead of playing the blame game with Canada and Mexico, the U.S. should be putting more effort into stopping the traffickers maybe working more with the Mexican and Canadian authorities instead of pointing fingers. Republicans blame the liberal, quote, woke, unquote, Democrats for having an open southern border when the U.S. really doesn't have one. That's some weak spots, but it's far from wide open. The Democrats blame the Republicans for stoking fear everywhere without doing more to stop the illegal crossings. 
which is largely true. Putting up concertina wire, wrapping razor wire around floating buoys isn't helping much. All that does is make the migrants try a workaround or die trying, which a lot of them have. Been a lot of deaths down there in the, in the Rio Grande River and in the deserts down there. The U.S. has the means to secure the border and harden it up if they want to spend the money. But that doesn't make headlines. If they were to open up more courts and create more judges to facilitate all the arrivals, that would take away their thunder. They might lose more elections, and they can't have that. Power is money. Making a lot of noise over the southern border is all about power and money. Remember what I said earlier, follow the money. Doesn't pay for the Republicans in these border states and other nearby Republican governors to go away quietly and actually come up with a good solution to the problem, which is probably why the border bill didn't pass this week. This also applies to the issues with the northern border. Point fingers at the Canadians while they're dealing with their own immigration issues to scare the voters in the northern states, which wins them votes, which equals power and money. The rich get richer and the poor get poor, which is the unsaid plan after all. And to emphasize that, there's a story out on the business media networks about Jeff Bezos' declaration this week that he will be selling out 50 million shares of Amazon stock over the course of this year. This is There's usually only one reason a very wealthy individual would do that. Legal troubles. Now, there are no rumors out there of, about any of that. And this story I found doesn't mention why he's doing that. So why now? Is Amazon in trouble? Is the SEC coming after him? Why is Amazon laying off hundreds of people? Max, Mark Zuckerberg made it into the news this last week for receiving stock dividends from Meta to the tune of $700 million. Barron's report that he, re used to, he used to just receive $1 salary from his Meta Holdings until now. His millions before now came from other enterprises, but he's still one of the richest guys on the planet. It's stories like this that make people do one of two things in life, aspire to be like them or get angry at the wealth disparity and want to do something radical about it. The majority of the middle class to poor Americans are opting for being angry and wanting to do something radical to change that. The trouble with making radical decisions is things usually go badly because people don't think out all the consequences, such as what the U.S. is seeing now in their current political situation. Voters are getting desperate and scared, so they're opting for radical solutions that their fear-mongering politicians are throwing at them. This is one of the biggest reasons why Donald Trump is so popular with a lot of people. They see him as a radical change from what they've seen before, and that's, you know, stuff that's failed them. They're desperate, and they see him as a way out. He is offering them a quick fix to all their problems. As we know these days, quick fixes are all rage in this day of instant gratification. The same thing is happening in other countries around the world right now. Desperate politicians pointing fingers at all the migrants and pushing the fear buttons to scare the voters into voting for them. For anyone who follows European news, Germany had a protest rally against the far right-wing AFD party last weekend because of all the fear-mongering they were doing. Some reports state that over 200,000 people rallied to protest their nationalist agendas. In other countries, the fear-mongers are winning out. The fact that Germany had such a showing means that there is hope for the rest of us as they are usually the leaders in European politics a lot of times. Maybe that's what's needed here in North America, younger, cooler heads to actually get things done as they should be instead of all these scare tactics. 
Instead of restricting the younger voting blocks, promote them. Maybe if more people from the 18 to 30-year-old generation were allowed to vote, instead of being blocked by the scared Republican politicians, things like sensible immigration and border policies might actually happen. Stranger things have happened. And that's all I've got for you this week. I hope you've uh, tuned in. I've uh, got references for you that I'll put in the newsletters for all these news stories that I mentioned in, in the podcast this week. Uh, with all that, I'll uh, I'll sign off and I'll talk to you next week. Slotcha. Karimahagat. Thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more you share, the more we can convince enough people to make the world a better place to live in. As a Shonake, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May the saddest day of your future be no worse than the happiest day of your past. Shlongo Foyle, which means goodbye for now in Irish.